All right, guys, after a big night for the lightweight division, UFC 256, our next guest comes on to tell us what's next for him in the division. It's a pleasure to welcome this man to the program. It feels like it's been too long. The hangman is in the house straight out of Auckland, Dan Hooker. Thanks for joining us on the show, man. No, no trouble at all, lads. It's always a, it's always an interesting time. <laughs> yeah, it's always a fun time when you jump on, man. I, uh, I rewatched the last one a few times. A lot of classic zingers there. Uh, just quickly before we talk UFC 256, where are you joining us? You look like you're either in an office or a clinic. Where is this place? Uh, I'm at my gym. So I'm in, uh. Yeah, I'm in, I'm, in, I'm in my office and my gym. Very nice. Dan, Dan Hooker HQ. Um, well, let's talk about UFC 256, man, because obviously there was a big win for a lot of people. Um, a lot of people thought that maybe you would be fighting the guy who uh, who took the win, Charles Oliveira. What did you think of his win over Tony Ferguson at UFC 256? Um, yeah, it was just uh, like it, it's it's pretty obvious to me what's happened like everyone's going to have their own opinion on the fight like uh like tony's come out and had kind of his say to it and i i was already thinking that before um he came out with that statement like he's he's a he's a crowd fighter he, he draws energy from the crowd you know under under those big moments under the pressure 10 20 30 000 people there you you can't tell me that doesn't that doesn't change the the environment of the situation and and Charles Oliveira to me is um he he's a fighter that traditionally doesn't do very well under the pressure of those big fights you look at any any big fight he's he's had in this past and he kind of he freezes it or, or he'll crumble under the pressure of those big fights um so to me that's what it was you know Tony wasn't wasn't awake. Tony didn't look like uh, he had been riled up, and and Charles Oliveira was was in his zone and his element, um, and and freely freely doing his thing. Hmm. Well, it's a fascinating take. So you reckon it was sort of a lot of it to do with the crowd? How do you how different do you think that fight would have been if it was say you know in in you know Vegas in a usual you know twenty or so thousand uh, arena people. Yeah, you can't tell me that doesn't that doesn't change what you're doing. You know, you do everyone everyone's awesome at doing their day job, but it's like if you had to do your day job with twenty thousand people there yelling, screaming, getting you hyped up, it's just uh it's the whole well, I've been through it, you know, I've been through it before. I fought twice this year, once in my hometown in front of um in front of my a sold out stadium of my countrymen. Um and then flying over to, to Las Vegas to the Apex where where those two fought and it's it's dead it's quiet like i was the same like i just didn't like i like the crowds i function well and and i love the pressure uh i, I feel like it just builds so but it's like the whole week open workouts weigh-ins like when you've got crowds there you you can draw energy from it and it gets you going or 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 it, it makes fighters cramp up and and freeze like everyone's everyone's got um like world champion training partners that's that's a thing there's there's a name for it world world championship training partners they're guys mm. that will kick the ass of the biggest name fighter in your gym but he he you know he struggles to compete in a in an amateur environment he struggles to compete in like an in-house gym fight like you see them freeze like it's you can't tell me that that same thing doesn't apply at the at the highest um 
at the highest tier of the sport. And and it's it's interesting that we're just seeing that now. But I don't I don't think like it definitely to me would have changed the how that fight plays out. Like there's a lot of fighters coming up under these conditions, under this environment, like uh what's the, the Russian uh comes up like that's another like I'm not saying he is. I'm not saying he's a he's a uh like champion gym fighter but we just don't know like the guys never fought in the ufc with a crowd mm. we don't know we don't know how he handles pressure man there's like 10 15 i was counting the people when i was walking out uh to my when i fought in the apex like it's there's there's just incomparable the pressure situation like yeah yeah there's you know people are watching at home and but there's like one guy standing there with a camera like it's very <laughs> It's really, it doesn't it doesn't mean anything to me. You know what I mean? Mm. It's fascinating, actually, because, yeah, when the crowds come back, I wonder what some of these newcomers are going to look like. And uh, I guess a lot of questions will be answered. So when it comes to Tony, Dan, um, I mean, a lot of people are going, oh, you know, Tony's lost two in a row now. He's at he's, he won't be a contender anymore. He might be done in the division. Um, you, you're still looking to sort of see what's next and see see maybe have a couple more before you sort of write him off like a lot of people already have. People, people move very, you know. This is, the, <laughs> this is the fight, like it's the fastest moving sport in the world. You're, you're in this sport. You're as good as your last fight. You're as good as your last performance. Um, and it, yeah, it was like I, I agree. It was a lackluster performance where he didn't, he didn't have any, any moments in that fight where people can um, kind of draw, draw much from. But I definitely don't think that. Tony Ferguson's done. I feel like um, he'll go back to the drawing board. He'll he'll address those he'll address those issues. But that that's that to me is a major, and that to me is something that is gonna you know, hopefully next year, we'll have we'll be back to crowds. Um, you know, there's rumblings that you know with the vaccine and things things are gonna start to get moving, and we're gonna have crowds back. So, you know, he could be back and and performing at his best. Um, probably as as soon as next year mm. speaking of the crowds man because i know um your prime minister she's sort of loosening the reins a little bit on who can come in and out i know that it might be a thing between australia and new zealand where we can actually come in and not quarantine for three years but um what do you think is the future of ufc going to new zealand because you guys have so much talent now just at ckb alone you guys have enough star power to uh put together a whole card and i suppose it would be a question of the UFC flying in a few guys, but how likely do you think it is that New Zealand could be one of the first places to actually have a crowd um, and have that first UFC with a crowd, or maybe even Australia, because we're having we've got that, uh, some fights coming up here with crowds as well. Yeah, big time. Like we're we're fully back to um, people having having uh, you know concerts concerts and stadiums. There's there's big. Rugby events and stadiums, like things here in New Zealand, are, are moving internally inside of New Zealand. Things are—it's—it's it's normal day-to-day life. So it's—it's de- it's a definite—it's—it's it's a definite possibility um, if the UFC were to move in that direction that we could make it happen. Like everything is already here. We have um, the fighters here, officials, like everything here. You would just need to to fly in the opponents. Mm, that would be awesome, man. It'd be it'd be so good to see a, a card in either New Zealand or Australia with some mm. crowds. It's like people miss that atmosphere, um, especially yourself. You know the actual fighters who who feed off it. Um, I am wondering though, when it comes to Charles Oliveira, um, 
with it, I know he's a guy that you were sort of looking at at one point, and he was calling you out. Did the UFC ever approach you about that fight at any point? Have you heard anything from the UFC as far as you know possible Charles Oliveira fight? Did they approach you with anyone, by the way? Not Charles Oliveira. I've never been um, the UFC. The UFC have never approached me with that fight. They never approached me with the Tony Ferguson fight. Like I would have. I would have jumped in for, for that opportunity. I was looking to fight. Um, I would have loved that fight. I would have loved, um, well, I want to say get back before Christmas, but there's zero percent chance I would have made it back to New Zealand <laughs> yeah. before before Christmas. But now I was not approached about either of those fights. Um, they got something else for me. I'm in training camp at the moment, so I'm I'm just I'm focused on that and get a ring for that. So do you already have a fight booked? I have a fight um, that has been offered to me. Mm-hmm. And I have accepted I have accepted the, the challenge. <laughs> and then so but what- I'm gonna but I'm gonna have to beat around the bush <laughs> with who it is. And you already know this boys. I know of you guys I know I can I can't even see you, but you're, you're pulling your little fishing rods out. You're gonna start counting. <laughs> listen, you ain't gonna get. You ain't gonna get nothing out of me. Listen, listen. First of all, <laughs> could the potential card be UFC 258? I know a, a friend of yours, Brit, Rad Riddell, might be on that card. And then, second of all, let's see. Uh, Chandler Gaethje booked. Oliveira just fought. McGregor and Poirier are fighting. All right, so hey, let's have a look at the rankings here. Uh, could it be a, a guy by the name of Rafael Dos Anjos? Uh, boys, I can't. Boys, I can't. You know I can't. You know I can't. It can't be done. Are you fighting? Okay, just confirm for us this at least. Uh, will you? You won't be on the Conor McGregor Dustin Poirier card because we know that. Boys, Chandler- I cannot. I cannot <laughs> confirm or deny any such allegation. It's the Bill Clinton of MMA interviews going on right now. <laughs> I, I am not fighting that fighter. You know what it is? It's because you got your big juicy podcast, the Dan Hooker podcast, and you want to break the news on that. Not not good enough to do it on Submission Radio anymore. Submission Radio is not... I'm, not... Ra- I, I mean, I, I'm wrapped for the year. I'm in camp. I'm in camp. I'm wrapped up for the year. So if I was to break it, if I could break it, if I had myself on a, a pretty little signed contract, I would be sharing that information with you as we speak it's going to be dan hooker versus jake paul just i will ask you this do you know if your opponent has accepted it is it a case of just ironing out the formalities or are you still in that limbo where you're like i don't know if i'm actually gonna fight this guy i don't know if he's interested um i'm training i'm training like it is i've done i've done uh I haven't done I haven't done three spiders for nothing. Three spiders. There. Good lord. He, he he's in that. He's in there that training camp. So the I'm like oh uh, yeah, I'm up. like I'm like in the depths of it. I'm like in the I'm in the middle of a training camp. I'm dead on social media. I'm just got my head down and I'm 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 training hard and I'm grinding. So I'm preparing like it's a hundred percent. It's just the it's just the environment we're moving in now. Mm. Um, you know, the, I wasn't approached about the Dustin fight till like less than less than five weeks before the event. Uh, I didn't have a contract for that fight till three weeks before the fight. Like things, things just move differently. 
um, in this time and and in this environment, you can't you can't get everything perfect because the world's not perfect at this moment. You should just be um, you just have to be grateful <coughs> that we're getting the opportunity to get out of there and compete and and, and make some money. Mm. Uh, it's interesting because throughout your career, it, it's been a little bit difficult for you to lock down an opponent. We know the UFC hasn't always been, you know, throwing guys at you and it's taken a little bit of work through social media to get it. So it sounds like this time around, you're pretty quiet on social media. Sounds like, uh, was, would this be a case where one of, for the, one of the first times the UFC has actually come to you with an opponent and you were like, hey, I don't have to go out here and uh, chase this guy around. This is a fight that I'm happy with. Is this one of those first situations for you? During during your time with I the am, UFC, I am happy with the fight. The, the fight, the fight. Um, man, I'm excited for this one. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for this. I'm excited for the card. I'm excited for the opponent, and I cannot wait to share it with you, lads. But it's not today. <laughs> well, since 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 you're fighting fighting Michael Chandler on the January twenty third uh, pay per view, let me ask you this: um, who, who who do you think? <laughs> Is going to win between Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier in this rematch. I mean, uh, there's a few things that uh, Dustin has improved in. Obviously, you shared the octagon with him, and you know, one of the fights of the year. Do you see any sort of big advancements in his skill set? I mean, it's a different weight class. Do you see this rematch going differently between him and Conor? Uh, well, you know, he's a far he's a far different fighter um, than the first time that they matched. And I feel like he's far more durable at lightweight than he is at um, featherweight. I feel like he can, he's one of the most durable guys I've ever fought. You know, I hit him with um, some pretty hard shots and he, he just continued to push. Um, he's an incredible pace, which matches up well with, you know, Connor has uh, has his moments early on and then and then kind of has like a little bit of a dip in his energy system. But then it, it comes back. So it's whether, you know, Dustin can can time his his push, um, where he just puts the puts the pedal to the metal and and starts really pushing the fight at, at that perfect time where um, Connor's energy systems kind of dip. If he can push the accelerator there, um, he might be able to have some success. It's interesting because you mentioned at the start how much a crowd can impact a fighter, and we haven't seen Conor McGregor fight without a crowd and. Man, he the, the crowds go crazy when he fights. And then we've seen Dustin in that first fight with Connor. The crowd was so crazy. There was so much pressure in that room. Everyone was, you know, yelling, screaming, going nuts. How much do you think not having a crowd is going to impact this fight? Especially for a guy like Connor McGregor, who like could be one of those guys that draws from a crowd. And mm. also for a guy like Dustin Poirier, who won't have to deal with that on the fight night. And also probably doesn't have to deal with as crazy of a, a media week either with Connor McGregor. Oh, big time, big time. That's that's gonna be like Connor. Connor is the best. He's the best. Him and well, him and Israel are the best at dealing with the high pressure situations where where they got people jumping at buses in front of them, like screaming at them, attacking <laughs> them. The crowds go absolutely bananas when they're there. Like those guys are cool, karma collector, and they they handle it. They handle it like no one else. Um, Dustin, I, I I remember him saying that he would be happy after the fight. He would be happy to fight without a crowd um, for the rest of his career. So it's uh, yeah, that's like a that's like a very interesting, um, and I'd say like for me personally, um, you know, one of the biggest questions I have like, will 
can kind of wake up under those conditions because I definitely know that um, Dustin prefers and, and, and likes the fight um, with the new crowd. Mm. Just curious, um, I want to ask you, you mentioned Israel, I want to ask you uh, sort of what you think about his upcoming fight against Jan Bojovic. Um, but I am curious, you know, with with uh, Charles Oliveira, just sort of going back to UFC 256, how, how do you think he's a guy that sort of established himself as a title contender? Um, do you think he's, because I know you mentioned that he sort of thrived in that no crowd environment. Is he a guy that impressed you after that fight? Do you think that he's going to sort of potentially make it all the way you guys might meet? Or do you think it's just the case of the the circumstance being good for him? Oh, well, he beat Tony. Yeah. He beat Tony. Um, if you beat Tony, uh, I'll, I'll say that leading up to that fight. If you, whoever, before that fight was even booked, you know, it's like whoever beats Tony Ferguson lines himself up for a title. And I would, you know, I would definitely rather see that winner of that fight fight the winner of the Conor Poirier fight. Like you got to have two guys that one fights um, fight for a title. You can't have you can't have guys uh, coming off losses fighting for like Gagey thinks he can just sit around and, and get a title shot. So you can't come off a loss and then fight for a world championship. To me, to me, that's just not how it works. You need to you need to get back on the horse, get back on your win streak. Mm. It's interesting because. People are looking at Charles' skill set now after he beat Tony and saying, hey, you know, maybe this guy has the skill set to give Khabib a bit of a run for his money. His uh, striking has improved and he's, you know, got the record for the most submissions in the UFC. I see you laughing, Dan, so you must agree with me. <laughs> do you think he's the man? Do you think he's the man to do it? Or do you think not? Do I, do I, re- like, nah, I still, like, I just... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I can only give. I'm only one man. I only have my opinion. My mm. opinion is that Charles Oliver is still a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> why? Why pussy? It's funny because he's been such a complimentary interview. It... Mate, I'm just having a bit of a laugh. It just. It's just not like a. It's a bit whatever to me. Like, he didn't do anything amazing. Like, he just did some basic, like, fundamental stuff um, to Tony Ferguson. And Tony Ferguson had no real had no real answer for it. Like, he just, to me, he just hadn't been drilling um, his fundamentals for a while. And that's it's a game of um, improving your fundamentals and working on them. So, it's just to me, that's just the way I saw it. It's not like I was, like, so impressed with the amazing stuff that Charles Oliveira was doing. Mm, gotcha. Um, I wanted to ask you, though, obviously you're not going to tell us who the opponent is for this fight, but what do you think as far as the title picture? You mentioned the guys can't sit around and expect a title shot, but you've got, you know, like Connor and Dustin, a fight that a lot of people thought, hey, you could throw a title on there in Khabib's absence, mm. and, you know, no one would be, it's not an egregious thing to do. Um, what do you think as far as, like, who's going to be fighting for the title, and do you think the fight that you've got is something that could, you know, move you forward and close enough to potentially get the next title shot? Um, yeah, man, I thought, you know, can be retired, division moves on. Um, I thought, I thought Connor Dustin should be for the belt. That's, um, I thought that, that, that should be the title fight. They, they didn't make it there, but man, winners fight winners. And, and the situation we're in is whoever's ready and whoever takes the opportunity. That's that's always that's just part of the UFC's business model is that they'll are you you know they'll start at the top, 
They'll start at the top of the fights that they want to make. But if one of those guys isn't ready, if one of those guys turns the fight down, if one of those guys um, isn't ready to jump at the opportunity, then they just they just work their way down the list until they find someone that, that makes sense and they can justify. So, yeah, with a win over with a win over the 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 person that I may fight sometime early next year. Uh, man, I, I hope. Ah, so it's <laughs> I early hope next year. You're not doing a training camp for next December. Nah, so you're getting so down to the bottom of this fight thing. Giving everything hey, away. He's a, he's a, I'm the giving away a bit, back out. I'm giving away a bit too much information. <laughs> and Hooker gets released keep... by the UFC after his interview with Submission Radio. <laughs> uh. Thanks a lot, boys. Um, I know you mentioned yeah how they like to sort of go from the top down and put these fights together. Dana White still seems to sort of be denying the fact that Khabib's done. Um, is there a time limit in your mind where this whole thing needs to be sorted out? Like, you can't have a guy that says he's retired but still technically be the champion in the division for like a year or two, right? So, in your mind, does this whole thing need to be ironed out in a certain amount of time? Or, I mean, I imagine it would be super frustrating if there's a champion who's not really around anymore and is retired, still labeled as, you know, the champion of the division. Um, I feel like we're going to get the answers pretty soon. I feel like, yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, he all, was, the, he you was, know, all the stuff. So now you know when Khabib's coming back to doing a share. Am I fighting Khabib? <laughs> nah, I wish that we could <laughs> I don't know. I don't announce that one. Let me, let me tell you that. I don't know. Like, no, it's just, I think it's a, it's a funny situation. Like he was a, he's a Muslim champion. He's a massive name in the Middle East. Um, the UFC is, is having, especially under this COVID environment, having like a huge impact in the Middle East. And, and that was their guy, you know, the whole Middle East, obviously predominantly Muslim are going to back a Muslim champion. So they that's their guy, like head and shoulders. They want, um, they want him in there, and they want him to be sexful, uh, successful. So when he walks away and he retires, uh, it, who who do the who does the Middle Eastern um, kind of area get behind? Like there's no there's no other other champion that's ready for a belt or ready for that kind of opportunity to to fill that void that he would create. So you know, the UFC business plan is probably not too happy with. Um, <laughs> could be sitting out and and especially you know vacating a title mm. well i hope that um this meeting they haven't fight island is fruitful and we get some answers we know that you already know all the answers dan but hopefully we find out the answers <laughs> hopefully it's not like oh we met a fight island and there's going to be a brand new khabib hat you know can't wait to sell that merch we want to know if he's coming back or not damn it uh, but speaking of merch, don't forget, guys, it is the holiday season at the moment. And this year, give everybody in your life the gift of a fresh set of smooth balls. You could be Santa and you can have a smooth sack to give everybody as well with our good friends at Manscaped who will take care of your balls. Your balls will thank you. Uh, they have the best grooming tools in the world, not just the Lawnmower 3.0 with 7,000 RPMs of power, LED light, 90 minutes of battery time and waterproof. And it won't cut you your balls or anywhere that you shave on your body but they got a whole bunch of other things all sorts of uh, grooming tools and things that you can buy uh, and they are giving away a 20% off code if you use the code submission isn't that right Dennis that's right Cass uh, during this hot Australian summer why not use the foot duster or what about some ball deodorant so the guys at the gym 
Don't run away from you when it's time to roll. Uh, go to manscaped.com right now. Use the code word submission and trim your junk. Shave your trunk. That's right. While we're giving away sexy holiday deals, if you're the kind of person that likes to browse the internet and doesn't want anybody tracking you, or if you like to stream things on streaming services like Netflix, Disney Plus, and you want to see what the other people in the world are watching in different regions, you can with a VPN. A good friends at Pure VPN are giving away a crazy holiday deal with 88% off. So if you sign up for five years, it's only $1.32 a month. And they have other plans if you like uh, where you can sign up monthly or yearly. And if you use the code submission, you get an additional 10% off. Isn't that right, Dennis? Listen, man, this holiday season, Hallmark has released 3,000 movies, and you can watch them in any language you want, thanks to Pure VPN. Watch a 1996 classic Christmas movie, The Preacher's Wife, with Denzel Washington and Whitney Houston in Italian today. That's at purevpn.com forward slash submission. Get that extra 10% off. With code word submission now. Mm, sexy submission radio discounts. Uh, now, Dan, before we let you go, obviously we've got to get your thoughts on Israel Adesanya versus Jan Bahovic because the last time we spoke to you, you previewed uh, Paula Costa versus Israel Adesanya and you called it to a T. Basically, exactly what happened. So, what does Mystic Dan think about this one and how Israel goes Ooh. when he goes up in weight? That's a tough fight. That's a tough fight for any man. Like that, your Polish power I can definitely get behind that. That's a dangerous fight. Israel is nuts. <laughs> that's uh, that's like a super dangerous fight, man. He's like, uh... but if anyone can do it, that's my guy. You know, he's can he he's fought at weights like that before. He's fought in New Zealand, um, over a hundred kilos, and and beaten pretty handedly guys that bigger you know as they get bigger they also slow down and that's um one of the areas where israel finds the most success is is that when he's can use his speed and his agility against a a, a big um a little bit slowed striker so of course i've got my boy of course i've got him um picking apart yarn but i'd have to take a little bit of a closer look at it and and give you a proper preview a little closer to the fight Closer to the fight. You know what I find interesting and kind of telling though also is when we asked you about the Costa fight, it was like, oh man, he's going to smash him. Like the, you were so relaxed <laughs> when speaking about that fight. It was like, dude, this is a lock. I'd bet a house on it. But when you speak about Jan, there's such a, even from Israel, from you, from all the city, from huge, there's such a almost reverence for, for Jan. You guys are not taking Jan uh, lightly in any way. There's a lot of respect there. Oh, 100%. He's he's like a big dangerous guy. Like he's he's hands down world champ. Like that's um yeah, that, but this is why we're in the sport. This is why you do these kind of things is is because, you know, to to cre- get those butterflies in the stomach to feel like you're um man, that'll be easy for the whole team to get excited for that fight. It'll be easy to get to training. It'll be easy um that's an exciting fight because even I don't know what's going to happen. That's um that's an incredibly dangerous match. Yeah. Imagine that. Imagine he fights Jan, beats him, and then fights John Jones after that. That's two crazy matchups back to back. History making. Just quickly, Dan, also want to bring up Challenger Sports Management because we've noticed you're the co owner of that. And we haven't spoken about that at all. So just quickly, before we wrap up, give us a little insight into that, man. What made you want to go over to the other side and sort of dip your toe in the management pool? And how's it all going for you? Yeah, so well, my entire career, I've um, I've managed myself and and looked after myself 
um, I've, I've always had, I've had other people um, kind of work on the, like the, you know, the branding side of thing and getting me commercial sponsors and working different kind of things. But uh, I've always handled my own fights. I've always dealt, dealt and still do deal directly with the UFC um, myself and matching and booking my fights. And and I just see, you know, in New Zealand, other people were, I, I never had that direction. You know, I remember messaging other UFC fighters when I first got in and like, well, what should I do here? What should I, how do I negotiate like a new deal? Um, Which fighters, so learned, like teammates or just random fighters? Nah, like people I knew through the industry, you know, like other fighters from Australasia um, or, you know, even, even fighters overseas that I, I had contacts with. But you just learn a lot through that process. So I learned how to negotiate those deals. I learned how to um, deal with the UFC. I learned, I learned a lot. So I have a business partner and... Um, Challenger Sports Management, who who is uh, a Ghana contracts, he's a Ghana negotiating, very successful businessman, and he helps me out with all the commercial sponsorships as well. So it's you know we've got our team, um, we're building fast, we're building strong, and uh, and just man, I just want to just help uh, provide a service that I I didn't have access for when when I was at that stage in my career. Mm. I feel like you don't get um, enough sort of credit for the fact that not only are you a UFC veteran, but also for the region, um, you're a man that's done a lot of firsts. I mean, me and Casper can bring it up, but there's an on time where the UFC didn't give you an open workout and you set up your own open workout at Fed Square, but it's just on Facebook things Live. like that. Yeah, and, and, and people loved it. And it's just little smart things like that. Also, your relationship with the fans and all the different groups, and you're not forgetting all these people, um, always being cool to everyone. It's definitely cool to see you sort of doing this challenge of sports management thing and yet another area in the sport because you got the gym and you got that and you got the podcast. And the next thing we know, you'll be the prime minister of uh, New, New Zealand <laughs> and you'll let us come in with our quarantine. So that'll be really good. But guys, for now, make sure to watch Dan fight Michael Chandler, UFC 257 in January. <laughs> it's a guess. Uh, guys, it's a guess. Sure, you, you, it's a guess. <laughs> you can make sure to follow Dan on Twitter at uh, Dan the Hangman, Instagram, Dan Hangman. And of course, the Combat Academy, if you're in... Auckland, make sure to check that out. That's combatacademy.co.nz. Uh, we can't wait to w uh, see what happens next, Dan. Thanks so much for coming onto the program. I'd say another interesting one in the books. Thank you very much, Ed. We'll talk soon. <laughs>